CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Live at the Nasdaq market site on this Friday afternoon. The guys here getting ready behind me. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up on the show. Soup and cereal stocks have been getting crushed. But something happened today that suggests the bottom is in. We'll tell you how to cash in. Plus, we've got a way to make money on Disney if shares go up, down, or nowhere at all on earnings. It's actually a simple options trade. And we'll teach you how to do it. And... How would you like to buy NVIDIA for close to nothing? We'll break it down. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. Let's get right to it because it was a big day for the markets. The Dow soaring more than 330 points, bouncing out of correction territory. The S&P and Nasdaq both rallying more than a, a percent apiece. This, as all the S&P sectors were in the green, tech leading the way. But a surprising group was not far behind. The staples, consumer staples, the worst performing sector this year. But the chart master says the chart looks so bad, it could actually be good. So let's go straight to him at the plasma. Carter, what are you looking at? Yeah, been pretty bad. I mean, down 13, 14 percent on the year right now. At one point, a peak to trough drawdown of 17 percent. It just seems like it's overdone. I'm going to try to to play the other side, uh, make a bet for a bounce. So uh, the lines speak for themselves. Um, Orange is the staple sector. And then I've compared it to the consumer discretionary sector. And this is over um, the past three years. And obviously, the numbers um, tell the story. It's a winner and a loser. Let's pull this back a little more. And what we have here is going back over the past 10 years, since the absolute low in 2009. If we go back even more, what this is is um, 25 years of data. And it's this blowout, if you will, this divergence of late that's, I think, a bit extreme. So let's drill down and figure out what we've got. Here is the past 10 years, and this is every drawdown. So we've had real givebacks along the way, down 10, down 14, down 8, down 8. You can see the numbers, down 13, down 11, down 9, and then this one, the most extreme of all, down 17. So if I take those away and put the chart in with a trend line, This 17 percenter is to the point where I think you get a throwback to the underbelly of the line. Let's do the here and now and put it all in perspective. This is the one-year chart. It's very rare for a sector to move from a 52-week high to a 52-week low in a matter of weeks, months. I think it's overdone. And just as you've had these counter trends, counter trends, counter trends. I think you're due for one of those now. Let's put in the channel that would speak to that. Here it is. So we bounced off that today nicely, and I think you're going to get a further throwback. And then just add to it the U.S. dollar. These are very dollar sensitive. The dollar has been very strong, and it has hurt these stocks to some extent. They're very big in international sales, of course. And I'm going to make a bet that we're going to turn down here in the dollar. That would be a a tailwind for, for stables. Mike, how are you trading staples? Yeah, so this is an interesting situation. Staples are typically not very volatile stocks. I mean, think about what we're talking about. We're talking about Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, Colgate-Palmolive. But the thing is that once they get moving in a direction, they can, as you pointed out, moving off of that 52-week high down to the lows that we're seeing now in a relatively short time frame, 
in a straight line without a lot of intermittent volatility in between, they can actually move quite a lot. And that's why we can take advantage of the fact that options prices on these names are typically very low. I'm actually looking all the way out to September. I could buy the 50 strike calls for $1.50. So that's approximately 3% of the value of the index. We got a lot of time for this to play. And also it doesn't need to move that much. Understand that if it goes up even a buck, these things are gonna see, see some profits because those calls are gonna decay very slowly. It's interesting, you know, on a day like today, we saw this big snapback. There was a lot of, like, trepidation about the market in general. I saw your charting the S&P in the last segment earlier, and you think about these things had already just crashed for all intents and purposes. And a lot of reasons was valuation. You know, some of the biggest holdings were trading north of 20 times earnings, that sort of thing. So you think about the sort of sell-off that you've had over the last few months, and Mike is buying a September call that breaks even very near the money for 3% of the underlying stock price, and you can just rent that long exposure for the next three months. I think that looks like a great risk reward, especially if you think there's going to be a follow through in the market to the upside. If you think that these things just got hit, you know, like, you know, for no good reason, that sort of thing. There's a whole host of reasons why you could risk 3% right. and, on and this And the other thing is, that the market really gets in trouble. They have a defensive element yeah. to them that would come to the fore, uh, value investors and so forth. And you actually have two defensive elements, because since you're buying a call option, you're obviously not exposed to the same risk, even if it did happen to roll over much further. But I think your point about valuation is also a very good one, because as as, you know, we've seen some of these earnings, you know, for example, Procter & Gamble's trading, what, 16 and a half times earnings. This is a name that was typically trading probably 25% higher than that over the course of the last several years, often trading at a premium to the broad market, these types of names. And now you actually get them at a discount. So I think this is a, a decent way to make a multi-month, you know, And one of the things about this, and it's important to say that, there are some that are, have got structural problems that are maybe going to be long-term and enduring. It's really making a bet on the sector and on the XLP itself, not saying this soup company versus this cracker company versus this fizzy water company. It's doing it as a group. All right, moving on. You know what else is soaring today? Disney. That stock is up more than 2% ahead of its earnings next week. Julia Borson's in Los Angeles to tell us what investors are watching for leading up to the event. Hey, Julia. Well, Melissa, over the past couple of months since Disney's last earnings announcement, Disney shares are actually down about 3.5%. But analysts are bullish going into next week when the company reports earnings. Now, 15 analysts have a buy rating on Disney, 10 have a hold rating, and there are no sell ratings on the stock, according to FactSet. Morgan Stanley reiterating its overrate rating on Disney, saying its strategic reorganization plus its pending deal for Fox sets the stage for a global over-the-top direct-to-consumer business generating $6.5 billion in revenue in fiscal 2020. In addition to the status of the pending Fox deal, we can expect questions about Disney's response to Comcast's offer for Sky, any update on the success of the recent launch of ESPN's direct-to-consumer service and its over-the-top strategy. Plus, we can expect some questions on updates on cord cutting's impact on Disney's biggest business, which is Media Networks, plus any insight into summer bookings for the theme parks, which is Disney's second biggest division by revenue. Now, CEO Bob Iger has some records in this current quarter to celebrate. Just today, Avengers Infinity War topped $900 million worldwide after just nine days of release putting the film on track to be the fastest to ever hit $1 billion in worldwide ticket sales. Now, Pivotal upgraded Disney to hold from sell last month, citing, quote, a lot of positive elements going to the back half of the year, including a still very strong film slate. Now, CEO Bob Iger is likely to mention the upcoming launch of Solo, which is happening Memorial Day weekend. Um, he has a lot of big films coming up, including some Pixar films. But the options market is currently implying a move of 3.5% 
in either direction post earnings, which are Tuesday afternoon. Melissa? All right, Julia, thank you. Uh, Dan, you actually have a trade on Disney. Where do you stand? I do. Well, you know, here's the thing. I think, you know, that setup was really interesting. They're talking a lot about the studios, but it makes up about 15% of the total sales. It's really about all these other things, the direct-to-consumer, the over-the-top, their, their IP, basically their content, and how they're going to distribute it going forward. And like that upgrade, there's not a lot of stuff in the near term other than maybe updates, okay? So you got to think about the second half. So I do kind of have a new trade strategy that we don't really talk a whole a heck of a, a little. Well, it's not new to the, you know. I mean, after 10 years, we have here. a new structure. <laughs> it may be new to our viewers. And, okay. it's, and we're going to call this a uh, diagonal call calendar. What I'm doing in this situation with Disney, I have this identified event, which is next week. Uh, uh, she just said that the options market is probably about a 3.5% move on average. The stock has moved about 2.5%. But what I want to do here is I want to sell a short-dated out-of-the-money call, very near that implied move, and I want to buy an in-the-money longer-dated call, okay? So I'm financing the longer-dated call that's in the money by selling a short-dated out-of-the-money call. And here's the trade specifically, targeting earnings next week. Um, and really, I'm playing for a move up to about 105. When the stock was trading about 101, you could sell the May, two weeks from now, expiration, 105 call at 80 cents. And you could use that 80 cents to help buy the September 100 call Okay, for 580, that costs you five dollars. That is your max risk. Okay, five percent of the underlying stock price. And I just want to talk about how you make money here. Between now and May expiration, your profits are capped at 105. But I'm making the bet over the next two weeks that we have a move up in line with that implied move and not much over. If we get to about 104 and a half, 105, you basically let that May call expire worthless, and then you own that September. At that point, you could own the pro uh, roll the profits up and out, okay? Or you could actually sell a higher strike call and make a vertical. But I just want to talk about two points. I'm going to let Carter talk about the charts. I have two charts. The one-year chart is really interesting to me. There's support down at 96. That's down five bucks. That is what I'm risking in this trade structure. Why am I really focused on five dollars? Let's look at the five-year chart here. Look at this uptrend over the last four years. If it breaks that 96, there could be considerable more downside on a miss and a guy down. So I'm really trying to define my risk to in this trade and set up for some stuff to happen later on in the year. Are we Look at those, those lines. lines. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Those lines. What about those I lines, mean, Carter? That man draws a straight line. It, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, the lines are right, and then you don't need me to, for approval of that, you know they're right, which is to say, it's an inflection point coming. Um, my own hunch in terms of the stock's poor performance for such a long time and its inability to even really come to life of late is that there's more downside risk than upside. But the lines are, they are what they are. So if that's true, then you're still better off owning a call than owning the stock. What I really like about this trade structure is that you're targeting a level that's probably not super likely that it's going to exceed that, that 105 level. And that 80 cents you're collecting, that might not seem like a lot, but what you're really trying to do is offset the decay of that longer dated option. And you're going to be collecting that in a relatively short period of time. Those options expire in just two weeks. So 80 basis points of the stock in two weeks' time, that's 1.6% a month. That's a pretty good rate of return. So you have to think about it in those terms. I really like the trade structure, and we, it's probably one we should use more often. Yeah, and I would just mention this. If you're wrong on direction, but not by a whole heck of a lot, this trade structure is already a dollar in the money. Let's just say the stock goes back to 99, where it was trading two days ago or something like that. You know, you still have a call 
for three months out, right? There's a lot of stuff that could be happening between now and there. That's pretty relatively cheap. So to me, I like the trade structure. Um, I'm not sure how it sets up. I just want to make one more point. It kind of reminds me of Apple in a way. Remember somebody was out this week saying that in April alone, ESPN lost 500,000 subscribers. That seemed like a really big number. If it's anything less than that at this point, you could have a bit of a relief rally. So to me, I think the sentiment is really poor. I think this trade sets up pretty well. All right. Got a question out there? Send us a tweet to add options action for everything options action. You can check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Rumor has it, Brad Pitt reads it before bed. Enough said. Here's what's coming up next. That's what chip stocks did today. And there's one name that looks poised for an even bigger breakout next week. We'll tell you how to trade it. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Chip stocks rebounding today, ending the week in the green. Despite the move, the group's still deep in correction territory, down around 12% from their March high. Breaking down the move is a man who knows a thing or two about chips and dips. CNBC's Dom Chu. <laughs> Melissa, those red-hot chip stocks did dip, but maybe they've gone from heat like habaneros to heat like scotch bonnets. I mean, they're still pretty hot. Over the course of the last 12 months, the Van Eck Vector Semiconductor ETF, ticker SMH, had managed to extend an uptrend that's really been in place for the past few years. Between early May of last year through the recent highs for the fund that we saw in mid-March, it already rallied by around 40%. But from that point, it lost around 16% of its value to the lows that we saw for that fund on April 25th. As for where the shorter-term momentum has been to the upside for the chip stocks, the best chip-related stock in the S&P 500 over the course of the past week has been Corvo, up around 15%. We've also got Skyworks, which is up 10% during that time frame. Chip equipment maker Applied Materials is up around 5%. And then there's NVIDIA. Not the best-performing chip stock, but one that's become kind of like the poster child for that sizzling semi-trade. Try saying that five times fast. It's up around 4% in that time Frame. Now, I bring it up because NVIDIA reports earnings after the bell next Thursday. And as of now, the options market is pricing in what could be a 7% move up or down in the stock tied to that earnings report. So, Melissa, we could see some real action around NVIDIA's earnings day. That's something to watch. Back over to you guys. All right. Thanks, Tom. Have a great weekend. Well, as you just heard, the options market implying some huge moves for NVIDIA heading into earnings. But Mike's got a way to play the stock for next to nothing. He's over at the Plasma with a call to action. Mike. All right. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about using call spread risk reversals into events like earnings. And as Dom just talked about, NVIDIA is looking at a move of about 7% up or down. So that's the first thing we want to bear in mind. What we're going to try to do is sell strikes that represent that move up or down. One of the important things with options is that if you're expecting moves, you want the stock to move to the strikes that you're short, through the strikes that you're long. And then finally, when we're using these things, we're going to try to do the whole trade for a price that's fairly close to zero. So we can take a quick peek here at the chart in NVIDIA and take a look at some of these levels. So for one thing, we were looking at a move up or down of about 7%. The other thing we'll notice is that there's probably some level of resistance over here, some level uh, of support here, resistance there. The other thing I would quickly point out, the average analyst price target right now is about 255. So let's take a look at this structure. I was looking at selling 
the 220 may put for four dollars buying the fairly close to at the money 245 calls for 650 and then selling the 257 and a half calls for 250 i'm spending zero total on that trade to do this one quick point though of course is that because you're short that 220 put you could have the stock put to you at that level that's where you would get long and of course you would see some losses below that and taking a quick look also at the probabilities what we can see is that the chances after earnings that it gets to or through that strike are actually quite high chances that it gets through one of those strikes that were short is actually quite low so this is basically a way that we can make a bullish bet we're not taking the immediate downside risk of a 7% down move, but we're capturing the 7% up move if it should decide to go higher after earnings. What do you think of his trade? Well, first things first, we have to wish our viewers a happy May the 4th, okay? Like, it is the May the 4th day. And look at that picture of Mike. That is a, what they call in Star Wars universe the Force vision right there. I'm oh, saying like, the fourth, somebody, like, oh, like, May the 4th. Like, may the 4th be, the fourth be you. with you. Is got May the 4th. You got it? Okay, so that's a 4th. <laughs> vision right there. Um, listen, this trade's really interesting to me because the stock, Mike's levels, and Carter will talk to it, if you were prepared to buy this stock into the print at 240 right now, then that means you're willing to get put the stock down at 220, and that is the worst case scenario. So Mike's trade structure is selling at a put um, at a level where you should be very comfortable buying it down 20% if you're going to buy it here. And I like the call spread because you're really focusing on those levels where you get to a breakout and this thing could get going. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm biased alongside here. One thing we know is NVIDIA's performance relative to peers continues to be positive, impressive, uh, a relative winner. It also had a strong day today, and the presumption is that that consolidation that's been going on is the setup for a directional move. Could be down. I'm going to bet up. Last word, Mike. Yeah, I mean, the final thing is that when you have, and this is something that Dan was trying to take advantage of with his diagonal, you're going into an event, options premiums are going to be elevated. We try to look for structures where you're not going to basically take in all of that decay and have, get punched in the nose if nothing happens. This is a situation where if it goes up, we're going to make money. If it does nothing, we're going to be fine. And it actually has to go down quite a bit before we actually have to have the stock put to us at a lower level. Still ahead, Cohen Carter made a bearish bet on Tesla last week. That stock was up today, but they didn't lose any money. We'll tell you why. Plus, got a question for Dan, Mike, or Carter. Send us a tweet to add options action if it's good. The traders will answer it later in the show. Much more OA right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Now, last week, Cohen Carter said Tesla was gearing up for some pain on earnings. So here's the overshoot, and here we are now back in the range. Uh, to my eye, we have more risk of working sort of lower into the range than we do recovering quickly and making new highs. I bought the May 280 puts. About the close today, you could trade those for about 13 and a half bucks, and then you could sell the 250s, sell two of those for 550 each. So net, net, you're spending $2.50. Well, the stock is actually up since the trade, but Mike didn't lose any money. So, Carter, what does the chart look like at this point? Right. So it, it had this nice crack and drop heavy volume thing, and then today it reversed. So it, it leaves it sort of in no man's land, but the bias has to remain, at least from the chart point of view, and it is, to the downside. I mean, look, the market rallied very strongly today. It did yesterday. It would almost be, you know, surprising if this didn't, you know, bring Tesla with it a little bit. The reason we chose this trade structure is going into events when you have these elevated options premiums by selling two of those downside puts. Those options actually were decaying away more rapidly than the one that you bought. Right after earnings, this trade was probably up a little more than two 
fold, maybe almost three at one point. I still have the trade on, I should point out. Um, and I'm going to stay with it, and I may actually end up rolling it out a little bit because, you know, I, I think it's going to be a burden, I think, for Elon to prove himself. He still has to discuss the capital raise that they obviously are going to need. Yeah, i just say it was really interesting. I've listened to Guy Adami now uh, for two months now say, trade it against 280. Where did it stop? It stopped at 280 yesterday. That was the strike that you picked, 280. That's where it stopped. So it just, again, I'll just reinforce what Mike said. This just highlights how difficult it is to be long options into events like this, especially in names like Tesla, because he had the direction right. He didn't get the timing right yet, right? And you still have a little time. And now it becomes an issue of magnitude of the move, timing, and direction. Up next, tweets and the final call. Welcome back. Time for, for some tweets here. Rich C. asks, what is the better way to express a bearish position, selling a call spread or buying a put spread? Mike. In general, I'm going to say selling a call spread is a higher probability way to do this. And if you're thinking about doing trades like this, that's where I'd get started. Our next tweet is from Amit, who asks, now that the VIX has dropped below 15, is it a good time to buy protection, Dan? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. It's a really tough one. It really depends what you're trying to hold on to, whether it be an individual stock or a portfolio, and you want to be tactical about it. So it could be 15 or it could be 25. It really depends what you're trying to accomplish with your own holdings. All right. Time for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter Braxtonworth, what do you say? Staples oversold, deeply oversold, play for a bounce. Mike Coe. calls XLP, and thank you, Ben Shook, for saving my neck. I wouldn't have been here if it weren't for you. Nice. That's May the 4th be with you, May Mike. May the 4th be with you. And, and, and hey, Disney, too. maybe there's going to be a little Han Solo <laughs> love action. I bought my tickets today. Did you pre-sell? No. No? Looks like our time has expired. I'm Melissa Lee. Check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.